So uh, if you'd like to hear yesterday mornings, it was incredible. So uh, just join me in prayer as Naomi comes to share with us this morning. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to hear the word of God proclaimed. We just speak blessings over Naomi, and we just pray right now that Spirit of God, you would just empower her. Lord, and open our ears to hear what you're saying. Yes, Lord. Thank you for what you're going to do in the moments ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Let's each stay there for just a minute. Yes, Lord. Father, we set our minds on things above. We set our minds on you, the God who was and is and is to come. Father, I ask that we would be mindful of your glory this morning. Father, I, I ask that we would be mindful that Christ is in us, that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Father, I pray for those who are in this room who have not fully given their lives to you, that they would today, throughout the message, long for a touch from you to become the indwelling Christ. Lord, we wait on you. to move and to have your way for your glory, for the honor of your name. Holy Spirit, come and move in our midst and speak to individual hearts and minds. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> I, I'm putting on my timer because I'm really bad at paying attention to the clock. I'll probably still blow it, but if somebody can, <laughs> 35 minutes, 35 minutes, okay. Um, so I like standing up there because I like to be close to people. This is so cold, but I'm gonna do my best. Um, so yesterday, we, I think we ended with John 17. I tried to, but I don't know how well I did, but I tried to end with John 17. Um, where it says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And so I, I thought it'd be appropriate to um, address today, and I wanted to, to title the message, Continuing in the Faith and the Word by the Power of the Holy Spirit, that we would become and remain as people who consider the Word of God so central and integral to our lives that we not only believe it, but that the faith, the work of faith uh, would be the work of obedience, that we would actually do what the text says to do, and that when we become people who not only believe the word, but we become obedient and therefore doers of the word, that we will see that he will work through us. And I loved uh, the, the word that was shared this morning about um, the Lord being the one that does it through us. I've been kind of stuck on, uh, and I, I'm demonstrative and I cry, so just bear with me. Uh, I have like a soap opera sometimes. <laughs> I, I learned Spanish watching soap operas. I grew up in, in Venezuela, and English is my, my third language, and we learned Spanish in school and English in school. So every day after school, I would watch soap operas. I wouldn't recommend it, but it's a great way to learn your Spanish language. So anyway, so I, I, it really is. Uh, 
that in the book of Mark also works, but, but we weren't believers. But um, what was I saying before I went off? Oh, the, okay, Christ in us. Is I, am, I am so amazed that Jesus says to us, you still don't get it. It is not me who does it. But it's the Father in me. And um, so I am, I am encouraged by that because it means the only thing that is required of us is to learn to rest. I think it's Hebrews 4 where he says to strive to enter into his rest. And I know he's talking about the Sabbath rest, which is the final rest. But I think that there's something to be learned about the day-to-day abiding in Christ, Christ in us, abiding in the vine, uh, the vine abiding in us, and then out of that place, the Father building his kingdom and working out of us. That there is a great gift that when we set ourselves apart before the Lord, that his work, the power of the Holy Spirit, the transformational power of the Holy Spirit to do a mighty work in us, and then the work of God that is worked in us cannot help but blow out of us. It's like a, I don't know if you've ever seen, I worked as an EMT for a while, but a shotgun wound, it goes in ever so small. But man, the damage that it does when it blows out. And now turn that over into the power of God coming in ever so gently into our hearts. But then it has the potential when we work, when we work that muscle of faith and we walk out in obedience to blow out of us and to create and to wreak havoc for the sake of the kingdom of God. And, I, and my heart this morning is to speak to a couple of people. One, you are so sick and tired of the mundaneness of Christianity, but you're dismissing the value of the day-to-day and finding Christ in the mundane. There is no menial task in the kingdom. If it is done for the glory of God, it is worship and it is powerful. And if you can set your mind on the one that is from above and you do it living with that reality, anchored in that truth, there is so much joy that you walk life in. The second group of people are those who are bound by addiction. And particularly, I want you to discover this morning or rediscover that there is power, transformational power in the word. And there was the word pornography came to my mind. And I know there must be some, you know, most of us are going, gasp. And the Lord is actually going, no, come to me. I love his mercy. I love the mercy of God that is present in this house to set free the captive. That is why he came, to destroy the works of darkness so that you and I might be free. And the power of the word that is here this morning is to engage our hearts and to set our hearts free to find joy in the mundaneness of life and to find freedom from all addictions through the power of the word. Amen? So I want to start with a little story. This was several years ago, uh, probably about oh, maybe 15, 16 years ago. And some of you heard just a brief bit of my testimony, but I struggled with all types of addictions and depression was a big deal. Self-esteem was just a mess. And I remembered one day I, I wanted to, for the first time ever, I had this, I'm going to go for it. He hears me motion. This mindset of, I know God can hear me. It was this little window that I had not experienced. And we were actually on a, on a ministry trip. Yes, I was a mess and I was on a ministry trip. Go figure. And, um, and I went into the room and uh, we were staying in a guest house. I think it was in Tennessee. And I remember sitting on the edge of the bed and I, I started thinking about the scene in Revelation 4, which is some, somewhat cryptic. You know, there's a, there are beings with eyes and wings, and they're flopping around. 
I mean, it's just creepy. Eyes everywhere. It makes me want to itch. And they're flying around, and there's an emerald rainbow, and there's this invisible hue, and then there's a person sitting next to him, and there's these elders, and they keep throwing their crowns down, and they're shouting, holy, holy, worthy, worthy. And I find myself in this moment of emotional ecstasy where for the first time ever, I knew that that thing was real, and I found myself before him. And this chorus, this refrain came out of my mind. This is me praying the word. I'm telling you there is power in this thing. There is power. The Holy Spirit works through this word. You take a hold of it. And he came to me in my heart. And I remember sitting in that room. And I remember looking at him. And that is not naturally a beautiful scene. But there was something in me that said, oh my goodness, you're beautiful. And then it hit me. I always was, but I never knew. But now I know because I stand before you. I always was, but I never knew. But now I know and I, because I stand before you. And, and what it was was I was always beautiful, but I never knew. But now I know because I stand before you. I was always beautiful, but I never knew. But now I know because I stand before you. And it was realizing that I was made in the image of the most incorruptible, the most beautiful, the most mighty, the most glorious, the infinite wisdom and joy and mercy. And oh my, I just, I was overwhelmed with purpose in that moment and a sense of worth that did not come from any man. It did not come from any bottle. It did not come from any of my giftings, any of my attainments, any of my failures. Nothing defined me other than what I had read in a text, and he had met me by his spirit to touch my heart. And so in 2 Timothy, or the, the, letter of, the second letter uh, that Paul writes to Timothy, the purpose behind him writing to him is to fight the good fight of faith. And it's not just to fight the good fight of faith by words, by thoughts. Yes, it is in prayer, but he makes a clear marking to him to fight the good fight of faith through the power of the scriptures. And he says to him in 2 Timothy 1, 13 through 14, he says, follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. That the pattern that was deposited and entrusted to Paul, he, de he deposited and entrusted it to Timothy, and he's, he's charging Timothy, I'm charging you to be good stewards of the deposit, however large or small, that you have it at this moment. That it, yes, it's to grow, it's to remain, but it's to grow, it's to ever increase. It is Christ in us that's being formed. And so, um, as I'm, as I'm reading through this, the word keeps popping up, and I realize that when he says in John 17, when we talked about yesterday about being sanctified or being people that are holy, it's so that we might be people who display mercy, and we might be people who are unoffended, people who are transformed from the inside, who live from the inside out. And yes, it does mean we do not commit sins. Yes, we abstain from immorality. Yes, we abstain from wrongdoing. Yes, we ought to be seen blameless before society. But that cannot occur in all truth, in all truth and all reality unless we are transformed from the inside. Would you not agree? 
Okay, so the power of the word is what we require. In John 1, it says what? It says, in the beginning was the the word. And so when Jesus is saying, sanctify them in your truth, your word is truth, he's in all essence saying, sanctify them in me. Okay, what is a word? A word is a sign of an idea. It's a sign of a thought. If you come up with a word, if I say car, it's because I was thinking car, not elephant. Jesus is the very embodiment of every thought that the Father ever has and had towards humanity in its entirety. Every emotion, every thought, every idea, every concept, every longing that he had towards humanity and the entirety of the cosmos is displayed in a man. Have you been in your flesh lately that that would dwell on the inside? And so then this is the fun part, is that the Word of God, let's, let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, he says 16, he says, all scripture or all word is breathed out by God and, the prophet, and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God, or woman, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for good work. The power of the word to make us holy, to sanctify us, to equip us, and to therefore do the good work of faith, which, yes, it is the caring for the poor and the widow and the orphan, and it's being able to abstain in the hour of trouble. And it's being able to live in a life and not be of it. To be able to live in this world and not be of it. So as I'm thinking today, I said, Lord, I no longer want to be an inhabitant of the earth. I want to have a visa. I don't want this to be the place where I remain. I grew up, I mentioned you guys, I grew up in South America. We actually left Venezuela under cover of night, all kinds of drama. And for several years, we, I had a pink passport because we were refugees. And um, it's not fun. It's not fun living in a place where you know you don't belong and you're not necessarily wanted. And there are, there are real pressures that come with that. But I am so thankful for this place in my life, for the wisdom of God and the way that he has used it. And now I can apply those same principles to my life here on earth and realize this is just a vacation time. It's just, I'm sojourning. I am passing through and I'm on my way somewhere else. Total segue, but I just... I'm, I'm realizing the wisdom of God in my life and therefore the wisdom of God in your life. And the way that he uses every natural circumstance to speak to us, not only directly through his word, but that we might take those lessons that we're learning and apply them and realize, my goodness, he really knows what he's doing. He really knows what he's doing. So how do we approach the word? What is the purpose of us drawing near and how do we approach the word? Well, first thing is, is we approach the word with faith. If we look at 1 John 3.22, he says, And we will receive from him whatever we ask, because we keep his commandments and we do what is pleasing. How do we do what's pleasing? First of all, by having faith, right? And then second of all, by being obedient to the word. And so if we are people who are abiding in the word and we are allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us through the text and we actually believe what is written in that word, what ends up happening is we take the word and we begin to actually pray it. And I can't think of anything more brilliant, not because I'm a part of the International House of Prayer, by no means, 
but because I've experienced the transformational power of taking the text and turning it into a conversation. It actually is an exercise in faith when you read the text. Yes, you're studying it. Yes, you're asking it who, what, when, where, why. That is awesome. Now take that who, what, when, where, why and turn it into sweet meditation. Take that meditation and turn it into deep and prolonged prayer. And I'm telling you, where you are patient with the Lord and his word, he will transform you. And I'm not referring to a transformation of power that then now gives you a ministry other than being able to minister to God and anybody that he puts in your life. And look, I look at Jesus' life. Can you imagine the Son of God filled with all wisdom, with all knowledge? Here he is walking in the flesh. Surely he's passing day by day so many unbelievers. And you know, my frenzy is, oh my gosh, I got to get them all. I got, I, got to, I got to preach to them all. I, they all have to hear. Shouldn't I, shouldn't I stop? Shouldn't we have a conference? Shouldn't we gather them all? Maybe if I, it's kind of like what she was saying, if I put in the CD here, if I do this here. But Jesus, who lived by the concept of the scripture, because he, he himself is the fulfillment of those scriptures, he knew exactly what the Father was saying for him to do that particular day. And so when you and I are reading the same verse, he might speak to me something entirely different because that's what he's doing before me in that day. And then I stop striving and I realize it's about me connecting with him through the power of the word so that what he's doing in that moment, in the word, in me, I can go and I can execute it. I don't want to be the person who, and I don't say I don't want to, I am the person who tends to take things, I'm a strategic mind, so if this is missing, I know exactly what we need to put in place. Let's work it out. Let's do this. If this doesn't work, let's manage it. And the Lord is challenging me in my life, in my relationship with my husband, in my relationship with my children, in my relationship with the youth and the young adults in our lives. You cannot fix it, and your name is not Holy Spirit. And for all of y'all who nodded, that's the same for you, because you know what I'm talking about. But if the abiding... The abiding Christ in us that we meditate, that we encounter through the word, it takes us in a totally unexpected direction. And in that direction, he moves the way he wants to move. And I, I feel that there is a, the verse that I think of it is, who has bewitched us that we have forgotten the simplicity, the simplicity of Christ. And I know yesterday we talked about the mercy aspect of being people who display mercy. We encounter mercy throughout the pages of the Word of God. And when we read those words and the Holy Spirit meets us, that thing that we experience, we can now deliver to people. The reason we are not people of mercy is not only because we're naturally not people of mercy, it's because we refuse to sit before the one who is merciful. We refuse to engage in the word with the God of mercy. I mean, what do you think about Jesus being the witness? He is a witness of something that he has seen. And because he has seen it, he is able to declare or testify. Right? And so our need to grow in an understanding of mercy primarily becomes a need of experiencing mercy. It's not just the knowing 
or the information that we receive. I know some of that is useful, but it's the experiential knowledge of Christ in the place where we allow Him to wash our wounds. One of the most painful things that I experience um, as a believer these last 17 years is the fear of people being able to be vulnerable with one another in their midst of their pain. Because we've created a gospel that says, pick yourself up by your own bootstraps, hurry up and come on. And that's not what my text reads. The text actually reads, utter dependence on God, full-on weakness. Full-on weakness. I'm going to sw just switch a little bit. I, I realized the other day, I went to speak at a YWAM base, and I was sitting in a room, and I said to the group, I said, I want us to, it was on the issue of weakness. Ask the Lord in what areas of your life you have not allowed weakness to be okay. You're okay that, with the fact that you're just, you're weak, you're broken. And, um, and he actually, he convicted me of something that I was doing to my husband. I was making my husband my rock, my foundation, my provider, my needs were being met in him. And not only was that problematic with the Lord in the sense of that's idolatry because he is my provider and he is my rock, he is my sustenance, the problem started being that in asking my husband to be strong, I was not allowing him to encounter his weakness, which means I'm preventing him from being able to do what? To go in weakness before the Lord. And so somewhere we have been bewitched, somewhere we have believed a lie that what the Lord is asking from us is for us to be strong. Somewhere we have not engaged the text and what we perceive the text to say is not what it is saying. There is a sound pattern that is being given to us to live by. And the sound pattern goes this way. You read it, you pray it, you believe it, I do it. You read it, you pray it, you believe it, and I do it. I do it, he says. I do it. And in that weakness, it's not us that's being made strong. Have you ever noticed that's how we think? It's his strength that is being made perfect. Christ is being formed in us. The truth of the gospel is that we are actually people who are meant to die. This isn't a success program. This isn't a improve yourself, do your best program. This is a come all and die program. Come and die. And there's nothing strong about death. There's nothing strong about death. Nobody wants to die alone. Nobody wants to die alone. And as people who have encountered and are in need of encountering more of that sweetness, I'm telling you, if we pray the text, he will blow our minds and reveal to us that the way in which we are perceiving the good news of his son coming to the earth and the fullness of all things being caught up in him will vastly differ. I'm afraid that we are interpreting the text in accordance to how the world uh, summarizes life. You do hard, you work hard, you make a success of yourself. That's not saying there isn't a spirit of excellence involved. That does not mean that we have the right 
to be the worst workers and always the latecomers, the worst creative ideas. That's just, that's not even a part of it. Because if it's Christ that's working through us, none of that's happening. It's going to be the best idea. We're always going to be on time because he holds time in the palm of his hands. We're going to deliver because he's a God who is faithful. And so in our character, the display of the lives that we are living is not that we're being bad. This is not a shaming. This is an invitation to come and drink from the water, from the vessel. The power of the word, if you look at Ephesians 5, 25, it says, yes, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word. That's not the husband doing the washing of the water of the word. It's Christ who loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her. Christ is the one who sanctifies you, ladies. Christ. Jesus. And he does it how? By the Washing of the water of the word. He does it by himself. It's the logos. It's the word of God. You engage with that word. You engage with the man between the lines. And he comes and he meets you and he washes. I am convinced and nothing can take this away in this hour that when women as women when we go before the throne of grace and there is a power of God that's formed in us to be able to be meek and humble and honor our spouses, there's going to be a vast turnaround in the body of Christ. We have a role and a responsibility, not as the high priest in our home, but we still are priests in our home. We are being invited in this hour to display to our husbands what the bride is going to look like. That is an honor to be formed in the secret place. To be transformed in the secret place right before their eyes. To provoke the jealousy of God. Christ in us being formed. A, a peaceable, quiet spirit formed in us where worry and fear and doubt and anxiety, they're washed away because the word of God, Christ himself, meditated on, prayed to, engaged with, is transforming our inner man. 2 Timothy uh, 2.21, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself, how do you cleanse something? With, with water. So if anyone cleanses himself of what is dishonorable, that verse in 2 Timothy, he's, really, he's only talking about the manner in which you and I handle the word is what cleanses us. He's still admonishing him. Timothy, the way in which you handle the word will either cleanse you of what is dishonorable or you will manipulate people with it. And that will dishonor you and fill you with what is dishonorable. It says, if you do that, he will be a vessel of honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. What? Ten minutes. Okay. <laughs> Let's see what I want to do. Okay, so naturally speaking, 
and it's some of the boring stuff. But I want to encourage us to do this, to, to gather together in our homes. I've started doing this with women. We do it through a, an online uh, link. If you want more information, let me know. I'd love to share it with women. And we're looking for other women who would be willing to facilitate this. I am so jealous about this. Um, is that we grow in the knowledge of God in Christ Jesus by looking at this text because I'm telling you, the promises that are attached to knowing him, everything for both life and devotion to him is found in the knowledge of him, in the knowledge of Christ who is the word of God. Everything you need. Listen to me. Everything that you have need of, everything you can imagine, you go, well, there's no money in it, but there's wisdom on how to create it. Well, I'm sick. Well, he's the word and he heals. Well, I'm depressed and he says, you know what? If you keep your mind stayed on me, you will have perfect peace. Everything that you and I need, and if we can become like children again to grow in the knowledge of this word, the things that we will gain will be irreplaceable. It says the knowledge of God is more than knowing about him. It's about knowing him and connecting with his power, with his promise, and with his purpose. I, ooh, I love this. The power of God, the purpose of God, and the promise of God. And I'm going to take a couple of minutes and briefly go through these with you. Um, I love that he says that there are promises. If you have a minute, look with me at Acts 13, 32. It says, and we preach to you the good news of the promise made to the fathers. I believe that the preaching of the gospel has been deduced to Christ dying for your sins and you will live with him forever. But the fullness of the promise of God, if you look at Ephesians 1 and 2, if you look at Genesis 12, 1 through 3, oh my goodness. If I can urge you to just study the promises that God made to Abraham, because those are the promises out of which we preach the gospel that are found in the word of God that we are not connected to as modern-day believers because we're so caught up in the hamster wheel of being able to pay off our debt, pay off our credit cards, pay off our houses, pay for our kids to go to the best schools. We're so caught up. We've been caught up in what is secondary, I say sell it all. Sell it all. Downsize if that's the case. Is this not a treasure worth possessing? Is this not a treasure worth having? And then when I find him, she says in Song of Solomon, I will never let him go. Listen to one of these promises. It's for behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. It's momentary. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem for rejoicing 
and her people for gladness. 2 Peter 3, 9 through 11. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise. Well, what promise? Well, you know, I was praying for him to give me a husband. That's not what he's talking about. No, stop. You laugh. That's how we're living. I was praying for him to give me a car. Take the bus. Call a friend for a ride. He says, fulfill his promise. Lord, what are your promises? They go beyond the day-to-day, but that promise of eternity is what provoked Abraham to live as a sojourner in the earth. He's going, I see it. I see it. I don't. I see it. That's why he endured. Do you realize that when he rides out, the Lord gives him a promise, Lot acts a fool, and he goes, I'm going to take the best part of the land. They come in, they raid him. Do you know what I would have done? That's a sign from the Lord. That's my land to take. Do you know what he does? He goes after his nephew. Wait a minute, but the promise is for you to have the land. Take it. He's gone. He's gone. So he goes, no, I'm going to exercise mercy. I'm going to go get my nephew and bring him back. And when the Lord has a promise for me, which is the land, he will provide it and he will give it. So we become people on this earth that aren't swayed by the ins and the outs of promise and of promotion, of failures and of successes, but our eyes are longing towards the promises of God. And he says, he's not slow concerning his promise of some count slowness, but is patient towards you. This thing is taking long because he's waiting on us for Christ to be formed in us. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should should reach repentance, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens, this is the promise, the heavens, they will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies, they will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. And since all these things are thus to be dissolved, the question is, what sort of people ought you to be? but in holiness and in devotion to him. Holiness and godliness. Waiting for and hastening. Saints, we got to be hastening the day of the Lord. I want to hasten with my prayers the day of the Lord. Waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will set on fire and dissolve and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise... We are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. This, saints, is found in our Bibles. This is meant to be meditated on. This is meant to be prayed. This is meant to be thought upon day in and day out. This is meant to be the subject of our constant conversation with one another, to exhort one another, to run the race, to run the race, to run the race, to run the race, to run the race. He says daily encourage one another. And so daily we ought to be encouraging one another. Amen? I want to read one last verse for you out of Ephesians, because the Bible does it best. Talked about the, 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 the promise of God. This is why he does it. Even as pastor said today, it's for him and by him. But this is why he does it. It says in Ephesians 1, 
verse 8. Let's start at verse 7. He says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. It did not require all wisdom to create the world. He spoke and it was done. It required all wisdom and all insight to draw us back into himself. Do you, do you hear me? All wisdom was poured out in drawing you and me into the experience of God. For all of heaven and earth, when he died on the cross, it was for the salvation of humanity and the restoration of the entirety of the cosmos. He spoke it. None to it. But the redemption of it, that required the pouring out of himself. It says, in all wisdom and in all insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. What's your will? What do you want? What is it that you want? According to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. Do you know what he wants? You ready for this? Verse 10, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and on earth. That's my timer. So, Father, I am asking you, I am, I am asking you that this, which is your house, the house where your presence abides, I know that you love this people. I am asking you today that more than mother, more than father, more than sister, more than brother, more than career, more than our needs, for the, the body is more than food and the stomach is more than food, the body more than clothing. But my God, that you would fill this house with a hunger for your word and that in the midst of their hunger, you would satisfy them with Jesus, the word of God. Father, thank you. Thank you for the honor. Thank you for the honor. And I want to pray for uh, the two groups that I mentioned earlier. For those who are struggling, life is so mundane. This is so boring. I mean, it's like I want to chew my own hand off. It's so boring. If you're in that category, I'd love to, to pray for you. I don't know how, how you guys do it, if you have a ministry team. Okay, if you could stand up, please. Um, and then for those who are struggling with an addiction, and I'm telling you, I was the girl that every call of addiction, I ran to the front and I was like, that's me. I'm going to need somebody to pray for me. I don't care. I don't care what it is because Jesus doesn't care because his arms are wide open to heal and to set free. They're so wide. And for the person who you think might have a comment or a judgment, that's their headache. They're still needing to experience the mercy of God. I love the mercy of God. I love the mercy of God. And so it's here today to heal and to restore and to encourage. But then when you leave this place, there are requirements and that you would connect with somebody who would help you walk life in God out. It's essential that we disciple one another in the word of God. So I want to pray for those, those two in the category. So if it's anybody in this room, please feel free to stand. So Father, I do ask you for those of us, Lord, and even myself included, who just, the mundaneness of life and what I esteem to be success and um, achievement, Lord, forgive me for 
not making the first thing first, for not keeping the first thing first. Just Christ, your son. Father, I pray for grace today. Would you grace us with your presence? Would you grace us with your nearness, Lord? Father, I pray for those who are struggling with addictions. Father, especially the addiction of pornography. Lord, your word, which is more addictive than anything else, will transform and renew, not just wash clean the old vessel, but change it all together and make you into a new vessel if you are willing to love the Lord by primarily being patient with him in the process. Father, I pray for grace for that person right now in Jesus' name. I pray for grace for that brother right now in Jesus' name. And that the power of your word, the power of your word would break away any desire for that addiction and any other addictions. Father, we receive your mercy today. You're not deserving. None of us are. But you go, yum, yum, I eat it up. I look good in him. I look good with Jesus all around and in me. Dressed in Christ, I look good. You look better dressed in Christ than dressed in yourself. So take on, take on his grace, his mercy, and his love. Father, we trust you. We love you. And it is in your son's name that we pray. Amen.